Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And welcome to the Fightful Boxing Podcast. Today is June 18, now at least on the East Coast. I'm here, I'm Carl Stroll alongside the one Stephen Muehlhausen and Stephen, we have a lot to talk about for a boxing pay-per-view that went about very, very quickly, but a lot has happened in the four fights that we had. How you doing? You know what? I am awake. I am alert. And we have a fight card that ended before midnight in Central Time. So even on the East Coast, it ended almost a little bit. What, was it a little bit after midnight it ended on the East Coast? It was about... Broadcast went off at, what, about 5, 10 after 12 out there. So, no, it's still here in Chicago. It's rainy. My cable almost went out in about the fourth round. But luckily, good old Xfinity survived and kicked some ass for me to get me through the fight. But um, a quick night of fights, but also I thought a very exciting night of fights where you've seen some young stars shine, a questionable decision in the co-main event, and then someone cementing their legacy in the main event. Yeah, I mean, listen, you hit the, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, young stars. I mean, let's start first with uh, Luis Arias, uh, the USBA middleweight champion. He looked damn impressive in his uh, starting off. I'm going to try get the name right. Uh, Magomedov. Adif Magomedov. Yeah, that. <laughs> Look very <laughs> impressive. Gets a uh, fifth-round stoppage win. Uh, looked very, very good. He's a guy that's going to be a guy to watch out for in the middleweight ranks. I was watching the fight in, in, with my dad, and he kind of noticed the same way. Like, he looked a little bit small. Not small, but a little too skinny. 460 pounds. But it looked good. I thought the uh, right hand was so superb, uh, especially with the way he got the win. Uh, what did you see from Arias? Right what I've seen him before, it was about right what I expected. I th- it was a very he – he's a very powerful puncher. That's the one thing that I had forgotten about. 
thought he was a little slick, but he came in for the power shots because he realized, as, as what you just said, very Magadoff, Magomedov, very skinny for 160, and where Arias could maybe fight at 168. So that power did come up. That power did show in the fight, and that was an obliteration from start to finish. I thought a very good performance. He remains undefeated, you know, and it's a guy that I'm not saying right now, but if you go maybe you go four or five more fights down the line, I think he's on to something. He remains undefeated with John David Jackson, and it looked like that was going to be a precursor to what we would see in the main event. We'll get to that in a minute, but but a very good performance by Luis Arias and Maga Madoff. Maybe he should go down to 54. Yeah, I mean, listen – it wasn't Arias that that looked skinny. Magomedov also looked pretty skinny. I mean, and for the most part, he just looked, you know, like he, he was trying to get some punches into the body, I thought, early into the fight. But, like, he, he had no answer with for Arias's right hand. A lot of times I saw he, he, his left hand just was not going up to defend the right hand. And I think that was his undoing. He, you know, defensively, Magomedov didn't really have a good game plan. Heading into this fight, no, not at all. I, it's like I don't get with some of these guys that you know they're starting out in their careers, and it's like, what are you doing? What advice are you getting? And if you're getting the right advice, listen to it. And if you're not getting the right advice at this young stage of your career, maybe it's time that maybe you should go switch trainers. And maybe there's something Mega Madoff maybe needs to think about. I don't know. I don't know his camp very well. So maybe looking at the fight. I don't think the game plan was very smart. I would have I would have kept it to the outside. I would have tried to keep the jab. He had a slight reach advantage. So in that situation, when you have any type of reach advantage, you kind you have to really circle the ring, pop the jab, and let that and then you and then it'll allow you to get to the inside. Because then a power puncher like Arias, he's gonna be reluctant to come onto the inside because he knows he's going to get popped with the jab. So if he did that then he could have established a better game plan. He could have came in with more power shots. He didn't do that. He seemed content to be there. And the end result is ended up what happened. Yep. We, uh, we, so we go from Luis Arias, who looked really well, to a, another prospect, Dimitri Bivol, who looked really impressive. He beat Cedric Agnew with a fourth-round TKO. I mean, he came in with into this fight with a lot of hype as you know at the light heavyweight division's next big star in the making, and he looked every bit the part uh, as that next star. I mean, his power, his accuracy was very, very good when it needed to be. The power was there. He he nearly stopped Cedric Agnew in that first round. He knocked him down midway for the first round. His I thought his. Punching was superb, and Agnew, all he could do was survive because he didn't throw Jack, you know what? He's awful. And, and, you know, you look at at his losses before that point, and one of the losses was to Kovalev. And, you, and it was more in the Kovalev fight that I really noticed. And I've seen Agnew fight about five, six times. And the one thing I've noticed is when he's facing lower caliber opponents, he has a lot of confidence. He feels loose. And when it comes to the bigger fights and guys that are better than him, 
he curl he shells up like a turtle. And that's what and I was really hoping when I was getting ready to watch this fight, I'm like, let's see what he's doing. And I'm eating a chicken sandwich at the time. So I'm like, man, I want to eat my sandwich. I didn't get to finish eating my sandwich until actually right before the main event started. But give credit to Bival. Because I think Bival is a that's the future at 175 pounds. But Agnew had to put up something. And that was more, it was a glorified sparring session. And they were saying it during the broadcast. And I I agreed with that. I didn't agree with much of what Roy Jones said this evening, but this was one of them. He's got hard, Bival had a harder competition in sparring than he did in this fight. He got paid to fight inside the ring on Saturday night. Agnew is a joke. I would revoke his license for the way he fought this evening. He only threw 11 punches in three rounds and only landed three. You landed one punch around. Get the heck out of here. Go do something else. You're not a professional boxer. If you want, if you want to fight, if you want to act like that, he looked like the bully. He looked like the bully when you're in school. You got the big guy picking on the younger guy, and the little guy is going like this, trying not to get hit. That's what I saw this evening. It was a disgraceful performance by by Mr. Agnew. Horrible. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's as much as I would love to give credit to Bevel for that outstanding performance he had, really, Cedric Henry just looked plain awful. I mean, there's no two ways about it. I mean, this, I, you're right. I think this was handpicked for, for Bevel to be absolutely, you know. No, 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 no. no I'll, I'll cut you off right there. This wasn't the original opponent, for people that don't know. He was supposed to face Sullivan Barrera. But Barrera got a better opportunity and to get a main event spot, get a highlight spot. He's facing Joe Smith Jr. on July 15th. That, the it, This was supposed to be a harder fight. Agnew just happened to be the next guy there, the next best guy available who is willing to fight. So I just wanted to clear it up before, before you go further, just so you know. I don't want to downgrade Bivol at all. He's a stud. Plain and simple, he's a stud. It isn't his fault. Not his fault at all, I don't think. That Agnew didn't show up. Me or you, Carlos, and any of our and our fans that are watching, you guys and me and you could have put in a better showing today. We would have thrown more than eleven punches, and would have landed more than three. I guarantee that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'll find. Listen, if Conor McGregor can somehow manage to land more than eleven punches on Floyd Mayweather come August, I'm pretty sure that you and I can do the same. To Dimitri Bivol, but yeah, he looked absolutely incredible. He looked like a stud out there. And listen, I would have much rather have had Solomon Barrera in this uh, situation. But listen, he had the better, you know, he got a more exciting or at least a more, I don't know if you want to call this a more high-profile fight, I guess maybe because of the fact that it's Joe Smith Jr., the guy who retired Bernard Hopkins. But, you know, I, I would have much rather seen Barrera versus Bivol. I, I, I can assure you that, but... You know, and, and it's a fight also. Maybe we see down the line. I don't know. I think Joe Smith wins that fight in July. That's just comparing just comparing the two. But, you know, I really – I can't – it's not Bivol's fault. Barrera took up another fight, and so be it. 
you know, it, it is what it is. Bivol really wanted to be on this card, though, and I talked to him last week. And you sit and you listen to this guy. All this guy wants to do is fight. He took this fight while he was on vacation. His management called him. He had just come off a big win in, in the main event on Showbox. And he was like, you know what? They called him like, hey, do you want to fight on work? Kovalev? He's like, sign me up. Not knowing who the opponent was, Carlos. Not even knowing. This guy's just a straight-up gangster. Plain and simple. You look at him, this kid's a straight-out assassin. Just the way he, his body control, the way his movement. He didn't waste too much motion. Simple, using his hips, turning correctly, using all, maximizing his power, but also not expending too much energy. I was very, very impressed with Dimitri Bible. He's got a big fight coming up. He's, he's the mandatory for the winner of the main event. That's how good this kid is already. We'll discuss the main event in just a quick second. But oh, absolutely. listen, absolutely. It, it's hard to it's hard to talk to jump to the main event when we had probably the most controversial three minutes we we've had in a very long time in the sport. Guillermo Rigondeaux versus Moises Flores. Rigondeau won via a knockout at the end of the first round, but for those that weren't able to tune into the fight, here's what happened. So, so Rigondeau. No, go ahead. I, I miss chuckling him when you said knockout because that, okay. <laughs> so Rigondeau, he was, you know, scuffling with Moises Flores. And then at the last two seconds of the round, and here's what I saw I saw Rigondeau's left hand. It's kind of like, you know, holding in Moises Flores' head and getting three punches in. That's illegal. Those three punches are illegal. But that's not the story. The story was that as soon as the bell rang, Ringando took a wild punch to Moises Flores, and Flores just went down and didn't get back up. Referee stopped the fight. Originally, it looked like that was going to be ruled a no contest. It was at first being called by the referee an illegal head, but after deliberating and debating with the with Bob Bennett, the chairman of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, no, no, no. He they, executive chairman, get her. He likes being called the executive chairman. He he, he he corrected Jim Lampley a couple times. So yeah, and uh, and after much deliberation, after careful analysis, it was ruled a legal hit. Uh, and Rigondeau won the uh, won the fight, retained the title at Super Bantamweight, and the story. And here's it gets interesting. So Bob Bennett being interviewed by Jim Lampley. Lampley goes out and tells him, "Hey, our trucks are telling me that he that Rigondeau clearly hit Flores after the bell, and then he unequivocally because that, that's the key word. That was the word of the night. Unequivocally." Because Bob Bennett said unequivocally, Ringo had um, hit Flores before the bell rang. And then two minutes later, came in, I didn't see any replay with audio. So I, all I saw was the video, no audio. And Jim Lampley straight up tells him, our guys are telling me it was plain obvious that Ringo landed a dirty blow. And so after Jim Lamley somehow manages to convince uh, Bob Bennett that, you know, what everybody saw 
they said maybe we'll take a look at it and did confirm that if the commission did think uh, after careful evaluation much later on that Ringo Doe did get an illegal hit, it would be a DQ win for Moises Flores. What are your thoughts? I've heard a little... If for you following my uh, either my Twitter or the Fightful MMA Twitter, you'll know what is uh, my thoughts. That was a clearly clearly illegal hit. I don't think it was dirty because I think that was more of the heat of the moment type of deal. But the rule clearly said, and, and Harold Letterman even said it. He was reading the rule that said if a fighter is gets knocked out after the bell and he is injured to the point where the fight has to be stopped before the end of the fourth round, it has to be ruled a no contest. That didn't happen. The DQ didn't happen. All we got was a straight-up legal, at least by the definition of what Bob Bennett said, legal knockout win for uh, Guillermo Ringendo. I didn't think it was legal at all. I'm pretty sure everybody would agree with me, and I'm pretty sure Bob Bennett now would agree with me after actually watching a proper replay with audio on it. But I didn't think it was intentional, nor was it dirty, but it was clearly illegal, and it should have been, at worst, a no contest, and I think it should be a DQ win for Moises Flores. Now, first, it should have been a disqualification. If you're going to look at the letter of what a disqualification, how you get disqualified in boxing. Remember when Roy Jones lost to Montel Griffin? Shot was after the belt. Roy Jones got disqualified. There's a, there's a reason Roy Jones acted like a schmuck in that fight tonight. Roy Jones, I thought, had a very bad night tonight. And I'm a big fan of Roy Jones' commentating. But this is kind of where... Roy's like, ah, oh, Flores did this on purpose. Not even seen Paulie Malignaggi, another another Joker, and another Joker in my mind, another one of the the bandwagon jumpers in boxing, and some respected reporters, which I was quite surprised by. And I'm not going to name names because I respect them greatly, and they're friends of mine, and that were at the fight, covering the fight, and even saying that Flores flopped. First of all, get off, the, get that garbage out of here. That is absolutely ridiculous. I've seen a lot. I've been watching fights for over 30 years. I've been covering this for a living for over seven. You know when someone flops, watch a game of hockey. Watch the NBA. That wasn't a flop. First, the three shots were illegal. And if you can't tell me, how do you, I forget how you say his last name. Regan Doe. At least that's how I. I'm going to call him, I'm going to call him GR. I don't want to butcher his last name. GR. Blatant is day. You can't, okay, the first shot behind the head, okay, I could say that's a mistake. Cool, I get it. But when you do it three times, you know what the hell you're doing. Two times, you know what the hell you're doing. The third time, you're looking to hurt somebody, and the referee's not paying attention. Shame on the referee. That referee was pretty bad, too, by the way. He's not exhumed from, uh, the criticism here. Then they were both swinging. And when the bell sounded, they were both they were swinging. Flores is didn't hit. Grs did, and he was wobbled. If the referee's not right there, he's face planted like Ric Flair. 
but that legit hurt. That was a hard freaking uppercut. I don't care. Roy, how about Roy Jones stands right there and takes an uppercut and see how that is. Roy Jones has done some his sim head face plans. Remember the second Antonio Tarver fight? So I don't want to hear Roy Jones and his commentary saying, well, he was flopping. Get the hell out of here, Roy. I respect the hell out of you, and I talk to you. But I don't agree with you whatsoever. But that should not have taken that long. Where was Bob Benning? And no, no one's really talking about this. Bob Benning even admitted he wasn't watching the fight. You are the executive chairman of this commission. The most powerful commission in sports, in all boxing, and in all combat sports. You need to be cage side. I didn't see Bob Bennett there until the main event. Where the hell was Bob Bennett? That's a first mistake. Referee shouldn't have taken it long. I gave the ref credit. He looked at the replay. I still don't know what he was looking at in the replay. That was a pretty clear as day. It was after the bell. I saw it from sitting at home. I know you saw it sitting there watching at home. I know the hundreds of thousands of fans watching around the world saw the same thing. My phone blew up when that when that happened. It was like, what the hell just happened? Why isn't that a disqualification? Those are from non-boxing fans, casual fans watching tonight. A shame by Bob Bennett, shame by the referee, shame by Rigando. He should be disqualified. It, he knew what he was doing. I don't care what... They both knew they were throwing punches. Plain and simple. I think Flores was pissed because of the illegal shots. And the referee sat there with a thumb up his butt. And I know I'm getting a little heated here. And I know I'm not supposed to get heated. But this is also a podcast. And we're at, at first for fans. And the wrong decision was made here. If it was a no contest, okay, I, would, I could have went along with it. I would have gotten it, Okay. Makes sense. Still should be a disqualification, but if you want to know, like he was originally going to do, talking to Bob Bennett, he was going to call a no contest. Bad decision. A good job by HBO. I don't give HBO too much credit, but I thought Jim Lampley and Max Kellerman did a really great job in that situation. Roy Jones, put another fighter in that broadcast team. I'm done with Roy Jones. Put Andre Ward in there. Andre Ward, I thought, did a good job with HBO a couple about a year and a half ago. Put him back in there. But or George Foreman. I thought George did a good job too. But when Bob Biden is has an earpiece and says, I still can't hear the bell. And the executive producer of the broadcast says, Yes, it happened. Who the hell was Bob Bennett talking to in that situation? Not the executive producer. And we'll get into Bob Bennett later on because I want to touch on something with Mayweather and McGregor that I I do want to get to. But Bob Bennett once again disgraced himself this evening. So, you know, it shouldn't have been a DQ. Hopefully, Flores' team files a a protest because he doesn't deserve a loss. It should be a DQ, and we should see a rematch later on this year. But an absurdity in Nicole Main event. I hated even typing that Rigandau was the winner. That bothered me immensely. And he was winning the fight. He didn't even need to do that. Carlos, that's the sad part about it. He was winning the fight. Sorry for that long rant, but stuff like that in this sport, and combat sports really pisses me off. It's stuff like this that hurts the sport. You're saying, oh, I'm looking out for the safety of the fighters. You just showed right there. They called this evening. 
And Bob Biden even said to Jim Lampley, oh, we're looking out for the safety of the fighters. Well, if you were looking out for the safety of the fighters, Bob, this wouldn't have happened. You would have called a DQ or a no contest. I do have one thing to say is that this this is the same man that approved an O and O boxer to fight arguably oh, the best defense uh, boxer of this generation. We're getting it. We're gonna. I want to before we get off this podcast. We're gonna. There was something I read, and I, it was a very good article yesterday that I read, and I want to. It kind of alludes to this, so I want to keep. We'll keep going, and then we'll talk about that because it was something pretty absurd that I read. So here's the thing that I never understood about when they made that call. Listen, I wouldn't have, I, no matter what you would have told me, a KO win for, for GR was not the right call. But even then, when you were making that call, you could have spun it around in a way where both guys were throwing hands. And in that situation, and I, and I give Max Hillerman a lot of credit because he was exploring all the possibility they might be thinking for a KO win for GR, is that, both guys were throwing hands it, at that point, even though if it after the bell, it could be interpreted by the referee. It was protect yourselves at all times. They didn't even explain, the referee didn't even explain that part. And even then, even though I still would have called BS on it being a KOA for, for GR, I, I would have at the very least understood the reasoning behind it. But no, it was... The wrong decision with the completely wrong reasoning. No, you're you're exactly right. You know, you're exactly right. And and by the way, Max Kellerman's phenomenal. I've never had a conversation with Max Kellerman, but you but you you sit and listen. That's why I'm also a really big fan of Al Bernstein because the way they break it down for the casual fan. And that's how they, you have to serve. You got to remember, the hardcores are already going to watch. But you don't know how much of the casual fan is going to watch. I thought Max Kellerman did a hell of a job. He really, really did. And the way he broke it down, it broke the nuances of the entire situation I thought was really well done. It's not his fault. Bob Bennett's a sh- and it, I, I like Bob. And I had very, very good conversations with Bob Bennett. And I think, you know... I think he's look. I think he really is looking out for the betterment of the sport. But here, his judgment lately on a lot of on things, woo, and he's on it. Bob Bennett hasn't had a good week. This did I. I don't think he's going to sleep too well tonight. I think he's going to have a glass of scotch on the rocks this evening. I'm going to guarantee, it. And, that, and that cup's going to be, and that glass is going to be pretty full. So on our live chat, and thanks for everybody that's tuning in right now to the live chat, uh, Pooper T says, McGregor shoot KO Mayweather after the bell then. Hey, you know, that's a legitimate strategy. If, if the review ends up still re- saying that it's a KO win for Regan Doe, why not? Say that one more time. I just saw something that's not. There's a lot of nonsense going on at the Kovalev Ward presser, so I'm trying to keep up on that too. But um, say that one more time. No, I said someone I on live chat, Pooper T saying, uh, basically, I'm paraphrasing, like basically if this, if this is legal, then McGregor should KO Mayweather after the bell when they fight. First of all, I love the name. Name's fantastic. 
Hopefully you are – that means you hate Booker T, my friend. That's, that, that's the one thing I am hoping for. But, no, I, I can guarantee Conor McGregor – I did reach out to his management team tonight, and they, I, I was able to confirm someone from his – inside his camp was watching the fight tonight. I don't know if it was him directly. His team wouldn't tell me. His manager, Audi Attar, wouldn't tell me, but – there were some, there was a, a, someone in the McGregor boxing camp watching this fight tonight in particular. So maybe. Who knows? You never know. It'd be funny. Not a bad strategy either. So you wanted to discuss something right before we head into the main event. Oh, no. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that after. I want, we've got to give this main event some time, the time it deserves. All right. So Andre Ward versus Sergey Kovalev for the unified light heavyweight title. This was... A pretty good match, pretty good main event, kind of a weird finish, but we'll get to the finish in just a second. I'm actually very curious because the big story about heading into this fight was the scoring, how people were going to uh, award, uh, score this fight. In the first seven rounds of this fight, I had all over my timeline different scorecards. I had people giving Kovalev winning by two rounds i had the uh, some had ward winning by one round it was very very it, it was very divisive you know it, this was a harder fight to judge in my opinion than the first fight but i thought it was a very good fight i had if i'm not mistaken i had um ward winning uh, after seven by that point i don't know what your what your scorecard said after at that point i had I had Kovalev up around. I had him up 67, 66, four rounds to three. I could have even I could have even made a case that it could have been the one scorecard where it was uh, 68, 65. I would have went that route too. I, I you could you could see it because I thought there was a round that I thought Kovalev. I was I felt pretty confident Kovalev won, and then Ward came on at the end of the round, and I think it was the – I want to say it was – oh, God, I want to say the fifth round, I think it was. Yeah, the fifth round. And I thought Kovalev didn't – Ward had a little spurt at the end, and I'm like, ah, I'll give it to Ward. But that was the round I was really heavily leaning towards Kovalev. So I it could have – I had 67, 66, Carlos, but I it could have been as high as 68, 65 for Kovalev. On my cards, anyway. But like you said, it was all cards were all over the place. So Glenn Feldman and Dave Moretti, two of the three judges in Las Vegas, gate had Ward up 67, 66. Like I had Steve Weisfeld was the only one that gave uh Kovalev the win at that point, 68, 65. I really you know what? Even though I had Ward winning at that point, I can really understand why Steve Weisfeld and you for that matter would be giving more the more uh, more rounds to Kovalev is that listen for for the most part Kovalev was the aggressor and a lot of the rounds were very very close and in those type of situations you would normally tend to award the round to the guy that was more aggressive. Andre Ward was landing his shots here and there. He he got a few really good shots that hurt Kovalev. I think it was right around the fourth round and I gave that round to Ward. And but the thing is. Ward was stepping back for the most part, even from the beginning of the fight. The moment the bell rang for the first round, Ward was, you know, 
almost skipping around the entire ring. It was uh, it was not until maybe 15 seconds until Kovalev landed the first hit, which was a very good body shot to um, with a, I believe it was a left hook. And Kovalev, he looked really good. There was a couple of rounds where he just looked outstanding on a technical sense, uh, especially that second round where he was just out jabbing Ward. And I thought he should have. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply done more of that later on in the fight because the jab was working in in the second round even little bits and pieces of the third round even though ward i thought ward won the third round overall i thought kovalev did not do himself any favors by doing what was working for him throughout the throughout the fight he didn't look as you know tired or exhausted or gas as he was at that point in the first fight but you know, it was clearly, I thought in my opinion, it was obvious that War was starting to gain some momentum, kind of like what happened in the second and the first fight. I really liked how Kovalev started going right to the body. I thought that was, I thought that was something he needed to do, and I thought it was really imperative for him to go there. And I thought it, I disagree with you about the third round. I thought he had done enough to win the third, and then I thought Ward really came around the fourth and the fifth. He started landing the left hook. He started going more to the body. And I'm like, if he's going, if Andre Ward was going to win, he had to go back to the body and he had to be more active. But even though he won those two rounds, they were close rounds because Kovalev was still really active. But then I, you know, I thought, I thought going into the sixth round, both guys looked really tired. They kept saying, oh, how tired Kovalev was. There was a lot of moments in, the, in that sixth and seventh round when Ward had his mouth open and breathing heavy. So this wasn't like, it's just tired. They were both tired. They were hitting each other with the heavy artillery. They weren't messing around. But I really thought, I thought Kovalev won the sixth. I thought Ward, then I thought, I think Ward then made it a, a very focal point. I'm going to do what I did in the second half of the la- what I did in the last fight. Start pounding the body. And you really started to see how that affected Kovalev. And then what happened in the eighth round? You know, you, you have to really go there. In the right, I thought those straight right hands. I thought he earned Kovalev's respect. I thought early, I think it was in the, I want to say the fourth round, he landed a really good, solid right hand. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm like, Andre, he was establishing, okay, I can hit two. I didn't agree with the stoppage. I wasn't a, I, I wasn't a fan of the stoppage. I think Tony Weeks, for the most part, I thought had a pretty good night, but. I know people are going to kill me for this, but I don't care what people say. I've watched enough fights to know those are some low blows. There was a low blow at the end of the sixth, and Tony Weeks didn't do a damn thing. And I'm like, Tony, that would have been the third time. You would have had to deduct a point. Another low blow. The low blows I thought really – and not to take anything away from Andre Ward, but when another low blow that sets everything up in that eighth, after it was a body shot, no, it was a right hand, a left, a right hand in the body, 
And then it was the low, then people are like, oh, it's borderline. If more than half the gloves hitting the, hitting below the belt, it's, it's a low blow. Sorry to disappoint people. Let it go. And then you can tell it affected Cobra 11. And give Ward credit. Ward saw it and Ward pounced on it and Ward turned it on. The last one, no, that Kovalev kind of went, eh. Man, that was, that was pretty south of the border, my friend. That was like the tip of Mexico end of the border, south of the border. But you give Andre Ward credit, he did something many people didn't think he would he could do. Would the stop, would, if an early, if Tony Weeks didn't stop it, would Kovalev have came back? I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. I say everyone, all the keyboard warriors on Twitter, reporters, oh, he was done. He didn't look good. But Kovalev didn't look good for like the last three rounds of the fight, and he was still coming back and winning rounds. So we don't know. I would have liked to see it continue and have a definitive conclusion. Props to Andre Ward. Give props to Sergey Kovalev. This was an amazing fight. You give credit to both guys. And Andre Ward is the pound-for-pound best fighter in the world today. Yeah, that's that seems to be that was a key point after the fight when Max Kellerman was talking with with Andre Ward is that you know I guess he is the definitive pound for pound guy because Chocolatito he yeah. lost back in March and we don't know about Canelo we don't know about Gennady Golovkin we still don't know once that fight is done then maybe we can have I guess a better idea but at the moment I guess I would agree that Andre Ward is the best pound for pound boxer in the world I mean the thing that the, I think this was the most surprising uh, finish. Ward by stoppage. Yeah. In a made a fight in the middle round, not even in the championship rounds. And it's very impressive. Because you remember going into the fight, Andre Ward only had 15 wins by by knockout. Or, T, or TKO. I, you, he's not known as a power puncher. He's more of, I don't like saying the word right, but he's a very technical boxer. He listens to Virgil Hunter very well. And it showed in a fight. Virgil, and I was, I've been reading some of the quotes, kind of just scrolling on Twitter, and I've been getting some of the quotes in an email. Virgil Hunter told him, we got to start pounding the body more. Pound the body. He's getting tired. They're both tired. But it looked out of the two, I thought Andre Ward was the fresher fighter. He really was. And you have to give him credit. He's the best fighter in the world. The bet he's only fought the best. More often than not, Andre Ward's facing the best fighter. Regardless of what we think what we think of him and how he handles himself. Does he still handle himself pretty badly? Absolutely. Could he be promoted better? Absolutely. Is that mostly his fault? You're damn right it is. I think he needs to get rid of the clowns at Rock Nation. And there's a lot going on within Rock Nation, and we'll talk about that in a moment, too. I got some breaking news for you. But it's just one of these things to where he is the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world today. He should be promoted as the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world today. If I'm Andre Ward, and this is just me, and I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but if Andre Ward wants to get the respect he deserves, he needs to go sign with Mayweather Promotions. Because he will get promoted properly. I really do. I get you have to give you hit. Look at what he's done for Javante Davis already. Look at what he's done for Badu Jack coming off a loss, regardless of what we think. 
is going to fight for a world title, more than likely fight Nathan Cleverly on August the 26th. That's not a bad deal coming off a loss and fighting for a world title. You know, and Badu Jack's very popular, and so is Javante Davis is gonna, I think, is going to be a superstar. I think he's got superstar potential. So if Andre Ward's gonna make the move, get rid of the clowns who should have been taking care of you, and go to another set of clowns who will actually do the job correctly. And I don't want to deviate too much uh from the main event, but I wanted to point this out that I thought was really hilarious. And I, I absolutely love the HBO uh, screens that they do right before the pay-per-view starts, the uh, they would show a couple of fights. I love it, not because the fights are good, not because they're exciting or you get to see up-and-coming prospects, but I love it just for how absolutely horrible the presentation was. On two separate occasions, there were they were showing video, no, they were showing the audio of either a promo package for the pay-per-view or the replay of a fight. We got to hear it, but we never actually got to sign. All we saw was the empty ring as they as the tech guys never put the video. All we could hear is the audio. And I thought that was just so bad. And this and this happened in the Gennady Golovkin Daniel Jacobs pay-per-view. So I don't know if this is I, I, whoever's working the production truck on these uh undercard uh you know, they, they need to get fired. It's, my God, this that was horrible. I did not watch. I saw your tweet, though. I saw you had a tweet up about it. That bad? Oh, my God. It was weird because, like, the second fight, I believe it was the second fight. Uh, I'm going to try to look to be 100% sure, but I believe it was the second fight where the fight ended in, in a stoppage. But the finish itself, um, it was very disputed because I believe that was a Bono, uh, Tremaine Williams versus Christopher Martin, if I am not mistaken. And I will check really quickly, but while I check, so basically what happened was uh, Tremaine Williams against Christopher Martin. Tremaine Williams was doing excellent boxing. He was, you know, his jab was working, his body shots were incredible, and it almost looked like for a qu- uh, that Martin was going to get knocked out. And the referee, which was uh, Kenny Bayless, he stopped the fight uh, midway through the second round. And then Christopher Morn threw the biggest temper, temper tantrum I've ever seen a boxer do on television, where the moment they stopped the fight, Christopher Martin was jumping and running all over the ring like a spoiled little kid, angry of the fact that he that his fight was stopped. And... You know, you know, for those who don't know who Christopher Martin is, his resume is actually not that bad in terms of who he's fought. He's fought Johnny Gonzalez. He's fought uh, Gary Russell Jr. He's a former WBO, NABO uh, champion, 30-win veteran. And he just looked like a complete amateur, if so inex- like an inexperienced amateur, very unprofessional. That, this whole, that whole two hours is just a complete waste. I feel bad you have to watch. <laughs> I feel it's the only bad thing, and you've been to, you've covered fights live, and so have I. And those are the worst things in the world is covering is a lot of those fights. Some of them are just petrified to watch, and or often than not, it's like 
I just go walk off, sit in the media room, and and grab a grab a drink, grab a cookie. I try not to watch those. Those those sometimes are just head scratchers. Not gonna lie. Oh, I don't know. And and one thing, and one last thing, I want to say about this: when they were about to start that fight, and they wanted to get the uh, the ring announcer to start the fight, there was an alarm sounding on the Mandalay Bay Arena. Clearly, came and we, and even the. And I was watching the uh, the Spanish broadcasting uh, broadcaster uh, on that stream, and they were like, "Where's this alarm sounding off? This is like a fire alarm. Like, what's going on?" And this was an alarm that everybody could hear. I could clearly heard it. It was going on for like thirty seconds, and I thought, "Is there fire or something? Are they gonna evacuate some people, or or was there or was someone pulling a prank?" This was those were some of the most bush league. Uh, two hours. I've ever seen HBO do a live boxing broadcast. It looked a, a lot of people should get fired uh, after tonight. I think a one HBO guy that should get fired, and he was commentating. And by the way, and when we're, let's get back to the main event. And I put this on Twitter, and I just got a text message about this. Um, it seemed like Roy Jones was. Is it like – I want you to answer this for me. Did it appear to you that it seemed like Roy Jones was on the Andre Ward payroll? I couldn't have seen a bigger cheerleader tonight for Andre Ward than Roy Jones. Was that just me? Because don't get me wrong, Ward looked awesome. I'm like, Andre Ward performed great. He, he, he boxed a great fight, and he won the fight. Man, I don't know. Yeah, Roy Jones acting like this guy's like the next Sugar Ray Robinson. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, look, I, Roy Jones has never really been my favorite commentator on HBO. By far, the one I like the least after Jim Lampley and Max Killam and Harold Letterman. And even then, I have a couple of uh, words of disagreement with Harold Letterman because I didn't agree with some of the judging he had in that fight, but that's neither here nor there. You know, yeah, I, you know, I thought Roy Jones was a little bit too much of a homer, and it just seemed... The Roy Jones has these tendencies to either be on someone's camp, like be completely biased towards him, or, you know, kind of downgrade a little bit what Max Kellerman or Jim Blantley says... And say like, well, this happened to me so and so years ago. I clearly know more about about this because I felt it, and your guys' opinion don't really matter that much. I feel like Roy Jones doesn't really have a ton of great chemistry with Max Kellerman and Jim Lampley, even though Roy Jones been doing this for a while. That's why I'm not. When you're commentating, you're supposed to be unbiased. And call it like you see it. I just don't think Roy does that. He really doesn't. That's why I really love Max Kellerman. And, you know, that's why I'm not a big fan of Paulie Malinazzi. You know what? I respect Paulie and I respect Roy for getting in there and putting themselves on the line. And I know they'll make the argument, well, you never stepped in the ring. I'll be like, you know what, Paul? You've never, but you're not a journalist. So it's too, it's a double-edged sword in that situation. And, you know, both sides have arguments. But... I thought Roy did a bad job tonight. It really seemed like he was just pro-Ward. And I know him and Ward are buddies. And, and I know that, and I think that's pretty abundantly clear if you didn't know that by now. 
But you got to keep call it down the middle. Kovalev landed a lot of good shots. Andre Ward landed a lot of good shots. Andre Ward landed the more effective shots to win the fight. And you have to give credit where credit is due. Whether you agree with the, the call or not. Do I think the fight should have continued? Yeah. Because I think then Andre Ward, I think, could have made it more than abundantly clear. He was on his way to winning. I'm not going to say he wasn't going to win. He more than likely, he had about a 75% chance of, 80% chance of winning the fight. The fight was pretty much it. But I would have liked to see the, a fight not influenced a little bit by the referees. I want a nice, clean fight. Call everything down the middle. Be consistent. Don't don't call low blows in the beginning of the fight. But then when you get to the latter half of the fight and you see the same thing, come on. There's only one of those three body shots when he had Kovalev against Rose. Only one of those was a very, really solid right in the body, hard body shot. Or two of the three, I take the back. But the one that finished it was south of the border, and we've seen what happened. So, But he was on his way to winning. But I would like to see a more definitive ending. That's kind of really my view on that. And he's the best fighter in the world. Plain and simple. you got to give him his credit. Does Andre Ward put his foot in his mouth? Absolutely. He does. Does he get Does he get the credit he should be getting? No. But I think that's also his own fault. This is an age of where just being a great fighter is going to sell pay-per-views. Not just being the best in the world is going to make you money. He should be getting more than $6.5 million a fight. He should be in a 20 to $25 million conversation. He should be. But when he has, when him and his team, they don't, pro, he doesn't promote himself right, and his team around him doesn't promote him right. I can't feel bad for him. He says he's content. You should never be content. You're the best fighter in the world. And that's that. Did it seem to me, I don't know if you've been following uh, boxers and journalists throughout the fight, but the way I kind of saw it is a lot of boxers, and I think this goes along with the, Roy, the whole Roy Jones being, in, uh, being biased towards Andre Ward. It seemed like a lot of the boxers that I was following, like Sergio Mora, Zap Judah, Cornelius Bunridge, and a few others, and ooh, I don't know what's up with, uh, I don't know if my comment just scared off um, Steven, but basically back to my point was, if it almost seemed like to me, the boxers were way into Andre Ward and the journalists like Kevin Ioli and Dan Rayfield, they all were in, they were all in Kovalev's camp, not being biased over there, but they kind of saw the fight towards Kovalev, and everything all right there, Steven? Yes. Repeat that one more time. My computer was about to die, and I didn't have my outlet plugged in. Say that ah. one more I only heard the latter half about Dan Rayfield and Sergey Kovalev. But basically, uh, okay, yeah. Um, basically, to summarize, I kind of saw on my Twitter timeline that a lot of the boxers had Ward winning the fight up to that point, and a lot of journalists had Kovalev winning that fight. I don't know you if you sort of noticed that trend or it was just coincidence. I did. I did, yeah. I was I saw a couple fighters looking that way, but going for Kovalev, but the consensus for fighters was 
for uh, Andre Ward, and I didn't see. I saw a couple journalists only had to fight for uh, Ward too. So no, you're exactly right. So right now, so it, now the question seems to be what next for both for both fighters. Uh, Donna Stevenson said on Twitter, "Hey Ward, let's unify these titles once and for all." Ward would absolutely destroy Stevenson. He would get a much lower pay grade, and I don't even know if this would even be on pay per view because Stevenson is not a pay per view draw. But and Max Hillen was was asking him what's next, and then. Uh, War was kind of joking he would move to cruiserweight, maybe go to heavyweight. I guess he was just kind of excited about the win. But oh no, he... no, no! He's he's talking about it. Virgil Hunter. That during the press conference, I see I've been kind of following Twitter and and looking and kind of scrolling while we're talking here. Virgil Hunter, Ward's trainer, Andre Ward, because I know War, talking to people in Ward's camp, I know. They had thought about after this fight going up to cruiserweight. And Ward brought it up during the interview with Max Kellerman. But Virgil Hunter, Andre Ward's longtime trainer, father-like figure, said, why not you just go to heavyweight? Forget cruiserweight, go up to heavyweight and fight Anthony Joshua. That, that's a very big jump that very few boxers have been able to do that successfully. I know, I know Ward's been saying that he's kind of been wanting to do to move up to another weight class for a while now. I say, I don't know. I would say try out the cruiserweight division. Maybe not try to win titles and be the world champion at cruiserweight, but at least make sure you can fight comfortably at, I, I believe it's 185 at, or 190 uh, for the cruiserweight. One, 190, yeah. Yeah, 190. Although I would actually really like an Andre War Alexander Ushik fight. I think that would actually be a really damn good fight. But if he wants to go to heavyweight and think about fighting Anthony Joshua, first of all, get in line because a lot of other heavyweights that deserve a shot at Joshua before we even get to Andre Ward. But if, that, if that's what the plan is, because let's face it, after Adonis Stevenson and maybe Dimitri Bevo, who do you really have? Joe Smith Jr.? I don't know if he's, that, if he's able to. Joe Smith Jr. fight would make sense if they were able to capitalize on the momentum he got from the Bernard Hopkins fight, but now he's fighting Sullivan Barrero, which is which is a huge step down from fighting Bernard Hopkins in terms of more key matchups. But that it, wasn't. But that's not the fault of Joe Smith, though. That's really not because I know, and I talked to Joe Smith, and we'll have something up on Fightful around that time of the, around that time of the fight. But they were looking for big fights. This wasn't. And it is a step down. You're 110% correct. They were looking for bigger fights. But, you know, Stevenson was clogged up. Moore and Kovalev were were bogged down. Nathan Cleverly wasn't interested just yet. It seemed like they were going to be making the fight with Badu Jack. So the upper echelon was really clogged up here. The Barrera fight is more of a, in, in Joe Smith's mind, is a keep-busy fight. And it was kind of how he was really viewing it, so... You know, maybe I think – I don't think Ward wants nothing to do with Dimitri Bible. I really don't. I think he's going to kind of – and and I get it. If he stays at light heavyweight, I think he kind of stays out of the way. I don't think – I wouldn't – if Joe Smith can win on July 15th, I'd love to see Andre Ward and Joe Smith. I think that would be a great fight. I wouldn't even mind seeing it to Anna Stevenson. I think – 
Andre Ward needs to clean out the light heavyweight division. Either fight in a, a Donald Stevenson or fight even Joe Smith. Fight one of those guys. Or even they, if you really want to be the unif- the undisputed champion, like he, like he was at, at super middleweight, clean out the weight class. Clean it out, get all the belts, and then bounce. I don't know if he's going to do that. He does a lot of things unconventional. So we'll see what happens. Oh, and he just said no third fight. That's out. There was no rematch clause for this fight. There wasn't. Ward, uh, Kovalev's camp told me the same thing. Andre Ward isn't lying. Now there definitely makes no sense for a third fight. It wasn't going to happen anyway. This was a rough road. And I think Rock Nation and main events, Andre Ward and Sergey Kovalev, are glad to be done with each other. They weren't happy with each other. It was a horrible marriage. I think Rock Nation, I think, handled things pretty poorly in both sequences leading up to the fight. I don't like how Sergey Kovalev acted after the fight. I wasn't a fan of that, Carlos. I really wasn't. You lost. You have to. You should be giving Andre Ward his credit that he deserves. He didn't do it. And I, I thought that was pretty bad. He's blaming shot low blows. And, okay, yeah, they were low. But he should still give credit to where credit's due. I was a little – I was pretty disappointed by Sergey Kovalev. Yeah, I mean, as much as I want to say that he kind of got unlucky and those in these two fights with the decision and the first one and with the what some people would call an early stoppage. Uh, but at this point, I think now it's, I think I'm comfortable saying that Andre Ward is better boxer over Kovalev. Kovalev is probably the harder puncher, but I think all around, I think Kovalev is uh, Ward is the best box in a light heavyweight and probably the best box for pound for pound. And no, there's no there's no doubt about it. Pound for pound, Andre Ward's the best fighter in the world today. Would I I wouldn't mind seeing I would like to see him stay at light heavyweight for a little bit though. I think could he kick the the money would be at heavyweight. I get it. But those are, like you said earlier, those are monsters. Do you want some of Joseph Parker? Do you want any of Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, Andy Ruiz, Vladimir Klitschko? Come on. He says, oh, I, and first of all, there's like, oh, he can box or he can box him to death. Get the hell. You, one shot by Anthony Joshua, and Andre Ward would get sent back to California. Sorry. That would just that, plain and simple. That would not. That will not happen. Andre Ward needs to stay at either light heavyweight or go up the cruiserweight. I think there's more money in light heavyweight right now. I don't see big money fights, good fights at cruiserweight, but not money making fights at cruiserweight. So now we're kind of getting close on time. Is there anything else that you want to talk about, uh, Stephen? Right before we get off. No, I thought a very good night. You know, we saw some stars. We saw a star. I think I see two star, two guys on the rise. I think I think Baval's got. I think a really great chance to be a superstar. I think he is the. I think he's going to be the heir apparent at 175 pounds. I was very now that can be a guy one day I could see going up to cruiserweight or heavyweight. He's got the frame to do it. 
you know, I would like to see a rematch with Rigondeaux and Flores. I think that that was just garbage. That was, should have been disqualification, just like you said, for the hits behind the head. And then the, the shot, the uppercut after uh, the bell sounded. Then Andre Ward, classy, one of the classier guys in the sport, pound for pound, the best fighter in the world today. Hopefully now, Andre Ward will get the credit he deserves. And hopefully now, Andre Ward, and I said this to no, a boxing journalist moments ago, hopefully now he opens up, let people in. He's got a pretty cool story. He doesn't do drugs. He doesn't flaunt his money. He's a married man with four kids. He's a family man. He's, you know, he's very big into religion. That's a guy who should be the center of the sport, not a guy who owns strip clubs and throws money degrading strippers and beating women and verbally abusing his children. We should get it. We have a guy like Andre Ward. And hopefully one day, Andre Ward will see the light and realize he should be getting the credit he does deserve and lets people in just a little. And we're gonna and we're just about and we're gonna wrap things up. But before I do, uh, right now, uh, fight news crew on our live chat probably had the best comment of the week. I don't care what was said on all the other fightful podcasts. This is what this uh, fight news crew said. Winner by TKO, testicles knockout. <laughs> hey, do we have time for any questions, or where do we have to go? Uh, we don't really have a lot of questions outside of Thomas Mahoney saying, "Why did he stop? Uh, why did the referee stop the fight?" Referring to the Ward Kovalev fight, but I think we kind of dis- uh, dissect that pretty well. Okay, no, we just seeing if it was just all comments. If we had any more questions, or no, but we, we got a good crowd. We got a good crowd tuning in. So thank you so much for coming in and checking out our our podcast or. Our humble little podcast that's keep growing and then growing. Thanks to all of you guys. Uh, you can leave us a, a thumbs up here on the YouTube page. Uh, go to iTunes, leave us a good review. Stitcher, all the other podcasts sites that I have absolutely no idea because I'm not a tech savvy 22 year old as I should be. I'm not. Wait, you're 22 years old and not tech savvy? God, I know 14 year olds that are savvy. Come on, come on, Bieber. Come on, Bieber. No, no, you can't say that anymore. You can't say that anymore. I can because you're not tech savvy. I know fourteen year olds that know how to how who are pretty tech savvy. They know how to use iPads and cell phones and know how to take selfies and shoot video. Come on. Come on, Toro. Come on, Bieber. One time. No, no, no. Disappointed. I'm on my uh, on the hippity hop records and on my eight track. Hashtag eight track. Follow me on Twitter at Carlos Toro360. And Steven and S Mule House and MMA. That's S M U E H L H A U S E N MMA. And once again, thank you so much for joining the Fightful Boxing Podcast. We'll see you when we see you. Have a good night, everybody. And happy Father's Day to everybody listening and all the fathers out there, especially you, Steven. Thank you very much. Happy Father's Day, everybody. And with that, we're out.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.